Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In verse number 14, That verse in Romans 8, verse 14, it gives the identifying mark of a son of God. And that is that they are guided by or they are led by the Holy Spirit. That's verse 14 in Romans 8. Now look at verse number 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That is the rights of sonship. And so that is the adoption spirit. That's the spirit of adoption. Romans 14, an identifying mark, comes by the guiding and leading of the Holy Spirit. The right to sonship comes from the adoption of the Holy Spirit. That's verse 15. Verse number 16, watch what it says. The spirit itself beareth witness. The Spirit also serves as the the witness of the adoption with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit witnesses and acknowledges that you are a child of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 17. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We're splitting this verse in two. We're talking about heirship right now. Because not only do we have the identifying mark through the Holy Spirit, not only do we have the rights of sonship uh, through the adoption of the Spirit, not only do we have the Holy Spirit as the witness to the adoption that we are children of God, But the Holy Spirit also, we have, that's where our airship comes through, is the Holy Spirit. We're getting a lot of Holy Spirit in Romans 8, huh? You know what you are by birth? By birth, you're children. The new birth, the spiritual birth, you're a child of God. You know what you are by adoption? Through the spirit of adoption, you're a son. Which one? Both. It's not one without the other. It's not one and then the other. It's both exclusively at the same time. You have the spirit of adoption. You're in full legal rights. You are restored to God, your heavenly father. Sin, because of sin, your rights were forfeited. You could not come to God. But now you are legally restored. Through the spirit of adoption. And you didn't do anything to earn it. Merit it or deserve it or work for it. I'm telling you God is your heavenly father. Through the spirit of adoption. Go to Romans 4. Flip back a verse. I want We're going to look at airship this morning. And see just how biblically important this is. What a verse 13. Romans 4.13. It says, for the promise, 
speak, uh, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. But you see that phrase, heir of the world? What is that? That heir of the world is the believing seed. With Abraham as our example, as the father of faith, no one here is a physical descendant as a Jew. So there's two seeds of Abraham. There's that physical seed. And then there's that spiritual seed, which is the believing seed. And so that phrase, heir of the world, Jews would boast, we have Abraham as our father, right? Through his descendants, through Isaac was a promised inheritance. But we have, through the believing seed, we have a lot more than physical land that Abraham and his descendants were promised. It's not physical land, we've got a heavenly home. Two seeds were part of the believing seed, and that makes us Heir of the world. Look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3. It says in verse 18. For if. Galatians 3.18. The inheritance be of the law. It is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? In other words, why would you why would you do that? Inheritance that wasn't of the law, wasn't of keeping the law. Okay, so it says it was added, that was the law, because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Verse 20. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You are an heir, not because you kept laws. But you are an heir. How did you become an heir? Not through keeping laws. Because it says... For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law in verse 21. So someone says, well, I have righteousness from God. How did you get that righteousness? Well, I lived a good life. Well, I never killed anybody. What they're testifying is that they're claiming to have righteousness through law keeping when God says, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But verse 22 gives us an answer. The scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ. Might be given to them that what? Keep the law? No. Keep commandments? No. Follow all the statutes? No. Believe. 
verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Young people are in school. Adults, you remember back when you were in school. You go to school. The schoolmaster writes on the chalkboard. I mean, there's no more chalkboard boards now. They put it on a screen or something. But they wrote on the chalkboard, you know, no chewing gum in class. No running with scissors during our class. No fighting on the playground. And everything was fine until recess hit. <laughs> and somebody got in trouble. They broke that law. The schoolmaster put the laws up there to show the children you're not as good as you think you are. This is why we need rules. Now, you think that those rules made those children righteous? No, it just revealed to everybody and the teacher who's getting a demerit. I don't know if they give demerits out anymore, but that you would get in trouble. And that's all the law is designed to do now. It's designed to show us uh-oh, we're going to get some demerits. We're wrong. We're unrighteous. We can't keep all of them. We have heirship. We have God's imputed righteousness. But it didn't come by keeping laws. All the law did was show us that we are wrong. So watch what it says in verse 26. For ye are all the children of God. You're a child of God. You have heirship. You're a son of God. You are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and you know what that gives you? Everything. See, I don't believe it. Go to Hebrews 1, and I'll show you from the Bible that you can believe it. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, that's Jesus Christ, by whom also he made the world, the worlds. Who possesses all things, according to this verse, Jesus Christ. All things belong to him. Praise God. There isn't anything that was made that wasn't made by Jesus Christ. Someone says, well, the pews were and the pulpit were. No, where'd the wood come from? Trees. Who made the trees? God. There isn't anything. Acts 2 tells us God hath made the same Jesus whom he have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Bible says he is the Lord of all. He was made in a body of flesh. And his name of humanity was Jesus. But he's both Lord and Christ. The Lord of all lords. Little L lords, move aside. Here comes the big L lord. The capital L lord. Uh, he is the king of all the little kings king so all the little k kings step aside 
all these people wanting to worship the king of beer. They've got their focus uh, on, on that wicked liquor that will get you to hell quicker. They should have their focus on the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. The Bible says that all things that the Father hath are mine. Jesus and the God the Father, God the Son, are one in equality. And that's what the Bible says. All things that the Father hath are mine. That's what Jesus said. The Father loveth the Son and it giveth all things into his hand. You know where you're resting in eternal security at? In the hand of Jesus Christ. He's, he, no, nobody can pluck you out of the Father's hand. We have a triune God. You're in Christ. He's going to hold you in his hand and ain't nobody getting you out of there. Have you trusted him? You ain't getting out of him. Yeah, but you just don't know how sinful my brother is or my sister is or my son is or my daughter is or my spouse is. Oh, no, no, no. God does know. <laughs> we may not know, but God does. And you've trusted him, honestly trusted him for the forgiveness of your sin. And you have honestly repented of what you've been trusting in and you put all of your faith in every, every ounce of what Christ did. You can move from darkness to light, from death to light. And he will keep you, he will keep you eternally. I'm telling you, the father loveth the son and giveth all things into his hand. He fulfilled all things. Amen. He restored all things. That'd be Isaiah, that'd be amen and amen, a double amen. And I'm telling you, he redeemed all things. With God, all things are possible. You use that verse when you think about the guy that's a more wicked sinner than, than you. Well, I'm not going to tell him the gospel. That guy will never get saved. Think again. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. With God, all things are possible. Now, we're not going to do a deep dive and unpack what those all things are. But look, that doesn't mean you're going to win the ball game every time. I can take my kids to the BB competition and we can pray, Lord, all things are possible. And, and that means, you know, my, that don't mean my kid's going to win. <laughs> That's not the context of that verse. I'll tell you what is the context. Anybody puts their trust in Christ, it is possible for them to be saved. Anybody you look out into this world and see, you give them the gospel because all things are possible with God. All things were made by him. and Without him was not anything made that was made. He is before all things. He's before the beforeness. It says that uh, by him all things consist. He's the consistency of the consistness. That's, it. That's Jesus Christ. You can't go before him because he's before all the other stuff. Nothing's consisting unless Jesus Christ shows up. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. That's out of Colossians 1. And I'm here to ask you this morning. Who's the head of this church? Jesus Christ. 
you a born-again believer? You're in Jesus Christ. Individually, he's your head. Corporately, he's your head. In your family, he's your head. And he better have preeminence. You know what that means? If food's put in front of you, is your belly the preeminence or is God the preeminence? You know why people prayed more and longer before they ate back in the agrarian culture? Because it took them all day to you had to till the land, you had to get the seed in the ground, you had to pray for water, rain. They didn't go down the lows and get a bunch of PVC pipe and create a rain filtration system. You know, you can do that in a weekend now. They're praying for rain. Picking that food, cleaning that food, preparing that food. What do you think? They went down the, the Golden Corral? That's why people pray over their food culturally, even if they weren't born again, because they knew, they knew that God had to do some work in order for it to get to the table. Now we so take it for granted. I mean, we were so hungry last night, leaving this, this competition, we were, so, we were so hungry. We just got on the road and I'm just looking for a convenient exit where there's fast food and where I won't get tied up in a town that's like rural busy on a Saturday night. Pull in. And get five minutes. By the time you get to the drive-thru and you give your order, they got you a hot meal in five minutes. It wasn't like that all the time. Who has the preeminence in your food? I hope it's God. Thank you, Lord. I have something hot. Thank you, Lord. Go to Second Corinthians five. It's a great verse. I know I say that a lot. They're all great verses. Second Corinthians five is the great verse we'll look at right now. Second Corinthians five. Okay, there it is. Verse number 17. Very familiar to all of you, I trust. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. You know how loaded that verse is? What is a creature? That is a created being. You were created by God. It's, it's a creation account. And it says any man. Well, Lord, I just think that person down the road that's doing this and that. No, any man. If they're in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. The life you live, the things you did, the places that you went. The folks that you hang around with, they should have passed away. And you are become new. How many things are new? All. All. 
things, the end of verse 17, are become new. All things are right now new. The way you talk to your spouse is new. The way you parent your children is new. The way children who get saved talk to their parents, I'm telling you, it's new. The way you get along with your church family should be the new way, not the old way. You know, fighting with the fellows down at the bar on Friday night and hussing and fussing and all that. All that's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Everything's new. Your praying is, is new. You no longer pray like, a, like God's a vending machine. I'm hungry, Lord. Please send a tomato. I'm hungry, Lord. Please. I'm going to put this quarter in. I hope a, a, a Snickers bar comes out because I got a sweet tooth, Lord. And I need you to provide some sweetness for me. I hope you're not praying to God like he's a vending machine. But he's your heavenly father. And you earnestly want his help. Like a little child running to daddy when he comes home. Daddy, daddy, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I hope that's the way that we're approaching God. Children that love their parents aren't looking at mom and dad like a vending machine. They're looking at mom and dad as someone they look up to and they love and they want to be around and they want their advice. That's our God. You know what good parents do sometimes? They'll give you a chance. Because they love you. You know what God does? He'll give us a not, not a physical Snickers bar, but a blessing. Why? Because he loves. Because he loves. That's the idea. Airship. And that will give you the ability to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That gives you the ability to do that. Old things are passed away. Because old, all things are become new. I'm an heir. That now lets me do all things decently and in order because I'm an heir. That gives me the ability to have charity that beareth all things, that believeth all things, that hopeth all things, that endureth all things. We went through a whole conference on charity. How can we do all that? Through charity. How do we have charity as a Christian? Because we are heirs. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. I could never do that, Lord. You can. You can. You're an heir. You can do all those things. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Lord, I could never do that. You can. You might choose not to. I've shown you this example before. A lot of people, they walk. Their alignment is off. And they walk like this. One foot in the kingdom on Sunday. One foot in the world on Monday. One foot in the kingdom on midweek. One foot in the world on Friday and Saturday night. Now we're back to Sunday. We're back into the... They just walk like this. What you walking funny for, brother? What you walking funny for, sister? Walk in the spirit. All things have become new. Go to Acts chapter number four. Great, great. Study here on airship. Acts four, look at verse 30. 
32 it is. 32. Oh, my, my, my. Verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed, these are believers being spoken of here in the book of Acts, just like you and I would be believers, were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had, watch it, all things in common. Their chainsaw wasn't theirs. It was all things in common. They understood airship. They understood that what they have as an heir is so much more valuable and full of so much more richness than the treasures they have here on earth that they were just sharing all things. And they didn't have a problem with it. Look, I'm not going down the road of socialism. I'm not saying what I have is what you have. But I am saying if I have something and you need it, the spirit of God that has given me the spirit of adoption should say, we're, we're all heirs here. And we all have the same treasured possession and a heavenly home and we're seated in heavenly places, yet we're down here on earth right now. Sure, you need to borrow a weed eater? Go ahead. I got my chainsaw a couple years ago, stuck, and it bent the bar. I called Kelly up and said, ah, I get this bar and I can't, I want to try to get this thing fixed today, but by the time I ordered the bar, they said, no, just go and use my bar. Person found out what brand of chainsaw I had. I said, why don't you get yourself a real chainsaw? <laughs> that one's all right. You know what that is? That verse. That's that verse. And, and, and that's the way it ought to be. They had possessions. But because they were of one heart and of one soul, they looked at their possessions differently. They were willing to help. Go to Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Why are you a joint heir with Jesus Christ? If you trusted him today, are you a joint heir? Why would you covet what somebody else has? What do you mean, preacher? Why would you want his gold, his silver? Why? The only reason you would covet what someone else has is because you don't understand as an heir of God, you have something so much more valuable than that man's gold. You're an heir of God. You're going to walk in a street of gold. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. How many are you going to get? I don't know, but probably one is bigger than what you got. <laughs> that street of gold, I'm going to guess, is probably more valuable than the cheap gold necklace that you got from the vending machine, right? For 
You got vending machine jewelry compared to what God's going to give you. You are an heir. And I don't think a lot of Christians really get a hold of that. You've got something so much more valuable. Why would you want what somebody else has? People get impressed when somebody has more money than, than them. I don't. Jesus supplies me with more riches than, it, than the richest man on this earth could ever get. You know what Ecclesiastes is all about? Everything's It's all that. Go to Acts 26. Acts 26, look at verse number 18. The Bible says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, period. No. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is found where? Jesus said in me. And you don't only go from darkness to light. You are not only free from the power of Satan. You didn't only receive forgiveness of sins. You've received an inheritance. And you know what it says in that verse to do what? Open your eyes. There shouldn't be anything as a blind Christian. Stay awake with your eyes open. I think we need some help seeing more clearly. It's a daily, daily process. A couple in the, a few of us in the church are having eye problems. Looking around right now, most of us are wearing glasses. By about half the congregation is wearing glasses. Some have had eye surgery to correct our physical vision. I'd like to spend some time correcting our spiritual vision because I really don't think that we see the inheritance that we have. And I think we need to get that into focus. What you've got down here is nothing in comparison to what Jesus Christ has for you. You know why people don't give? It's not always because they had a bad experience with a preacher that pressured them to give who's driving around now in a Bentley and not using the money for the Lord's kingdom. We've all heard enough of that mess. That's why we don't send, send beg emails out. We don't send beg text messages out. We don't send beg letters out. Hey, send us your money. But just because we don't do that, that does not mean that God doesn't want God's pe his people to give. And you know we don't, why we don't give? Because we need our vision corrected on what our inheritance is. We think we need it. We think God don't need it, but we do. And God doesn't need it, but we need to give to God. Why? So we show we trust him. We show we love him. You just wait. You wait until the snow cones, the snow cone place opens up. You just wait until it opens up. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be first in line at the snow cone. Because I want myself a snow cone. 
I looked at the menu. I never looked at the price. You know why I didn't look at the price, Isaiah? You want to know why I didn't look at the price? Because I don't care what the price is. I'm buying it no matter what it costs. Is it $2? I don't care. Is it $5? I don't care. Is it $8? I don't care. We give to the things that we desire. And we don't care what it costs us. God purchased you and I with his blood. And he said he loves a cheerful giver. If you can't cheerfully and honestly want to give to God for the same reason you want that snow cone on a real hot, sunny day, then let's get our vision clear and see what's most important. Let's stay awake. God of this world is blind to the minds of them which believe not. I'm telling you, you know Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Just because you're saved, it doesn't mean that Satan isn't going to attack you and try to get you walk by the flesh which will, which will blind you spiritually he, he will, will. alright go to Colossians 1 change gears here Colossians 1 uh, Colossians 1 look at verse number 12 here's a reminder it says giving thanks unto the father which hath made us me to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his son. This sentence goes on, but for the sake of time, who made you to be me of the inheritance? God did. You didn't, the law didn't, your good works didn't. So give thanks unto the Father. Why? Because he made you meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. And a saint isn't a dead person. The living, the living person trusts Christ. Did Israel win the land? Or did God win the victory for them? God won the victory for them. Did Israel earn the land? Or was it God's earning for them? Were they good fighters? Or did God just give them favor? There's a difference. We have an inheritance, not because we earned it. He made us meet to be partakers of that inheritance. You have a war soldier. He goes out to battle. He, 
he fights hard. He gets his leg blown off. He gets a prosthetic. They work on him. You think if they're giving this war hero the half a million dollars that it took to put the leg on? No, they're giving him the leg. They're not giving him any money for that. They're sending them back home as what? As a war hero. And he's got a medal. And he's got ribbons. He's got a banner he can hang on his wall. Tony, one day he does walk home. And he walks into this house. He stands over the cradle of his baby boy. That baby boy looks up. He don't know what he has. Standing in the midst of him is a mighty, powerful war hero. And someday he's going to grow up and say, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. And that war hero dies. And all that little boy has is the medal and the ribbon and the banner he can hang on his wall. And then that boy has a, has a, has a son that he raised up. And that passes down through the family as what? As an inheritance. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ went to war for you. He died on that cross for you. He shed his blood for you. And he's standing over and now you can look up at him and say, that's my daddy. I have the inheritance because of the victory that he won for me. Praise his holy name. A few more verses and we'll finish. Look at 1 Peter 1. And look at verse number 3. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. That metal will collect dust. The inheritance we have with God will not. And undefiled, and it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You see where it says, lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That incorruptible inheritance that you have was made possible by a risen Savior. No risen Savior? Guess what? You've got something that's faded away. Just a body that died. But that is not the case with Jesus Christ. Verse number five, it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, if you've got a reservation on earth, that's going to perish. But if you have a reservation in heaven, it's not going nowhere. It's waiting for you sometimes a parent might have an inheritance they want to pass down it might be great 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 granny's ring it might be great 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 grandfather's gun chest and the parent may say yeah, son, 
this is mine now, but before it was mine, my daddy's, your granddaddy. And before it was your granddaddy's, it was great granddaddy's. One day, one day when I die, one day when you get your own family, you're going to get to take that. But right now, it's on reservation. <laughs> it's on reservation for you. Now, I'm sure every family has something similar to that. And you know what God said? He's got a place prepared for you. And he said, but right now, right now, it's on reservation. I'm holding it for you. But someday, someday, you're going to get it. You've got something that is not going to fade away. It's an eternal, eternal inheritance. Last verse, and then we'll be done. Titus 3. This is a great passage of scripture to turn to, especially when witnessing. Titus chapter 3, look at verse 3. If you are saved, remember verse 3. The Bible says in Titus 3, verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, that was me, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, that was me, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, that was me. But, verse 4, after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appear, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How did you get saved if you're saved? Not by works of righteousness. Now watch, we're going to finish here. Verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made what? Heirs. According to the hope of what? Eternal life. You are an heir. And you've got eternal life. And it wasn't by works. It was all Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.